Ooh. I'm having a now matcha tea. Oh, yeah. I love matcha I love tea. it. Big Axe Sour. Ooh, nice. I mean, if that's the case, I'm going to go grab a Yingling. Go right ahead, man. Yeah, no, we're not. Yeah, no, super casual. No, like, all good. Mental health after hours. Technically. <laughs> um, Mental health off the clock? Uh, yeah. All right. And thank you for joining us once again for the Guardians Mental Health Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt, and with me tonight is Joe. Hello. <laughs> and, uh, and Dr. Goku. Hi. If you're joining us for the first time, Guardians Mental Health is a 501c3 nonprofit focused on promoting mental health awareness throughout the gaming community. We strive to be a first step assisting individuals with gathering meaningful resources in a safe and inclusive atmosphere. Yes, podcast you so is another way the, to normalize for the follow. About Appreciate health. it. Thank you. And welcome. Welcome. Mental health topics Bird, what's going on? Tonight's guest is the internet's dad, Nelstar. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> How are you, Nel? <laughs> I'm good. I was not expecting that. I'm, uh, I'm fantastic. <laughs> I had to. I'm looking. I'm looking at your Twitter right now. I was like, I have to open with this. Uh, dude, I don't even know how that happened. I think it was Father's Day last year. I think I, I tweeted out. I was like, if you don't have a dad, I'm your dad now. Dave. <laughs> oh, and I could only imagine comments under that tweet. Oh, it was. It was it was wild. It was absolutely insane. But I love it. So, Thank you for joining us. Thank you for coming on. And uh, we greatly appreciate it. Um, for those who may not know who the Internet's dad is, Help us out. Tell us tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, and your favorite color. I don't know. I couldn't think of anything. Favorite color. <laughs> if you couldn't tell by my entire outfit, my favorite color is black. I got um, you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm Nell. I'm a senior, senior community manager at a company in video games. Uh, I've been in video games for, this is going on eight years now, um, if wow. you include me as a streamer. Um Hell yeah. Still stream on the side, which is really fun. Play a lot of Destiny. Um, but in the past have done everything from community management to influencer relations for AMD, 505 Games, Square Enix, and uh, Spire Media. So I've kind of just been around the block for about eight years now. It's amazing. Yeah. I can only imagine the amount of just experience you've gained from all those different places. And I mean, that it just sounds amazing to me. Yeah, it's 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 cool because like each one is a different size publisher. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like I've gone like Square obviously is like one of the largest publishers in the world. And you get so much experience working on AAA titles and you know working on a game like Marvel's Avengers, but also like the the experience I gained at Five Hundred Five Games, which when I joined was only doing indie games, mm-hmm. um, is some of the most invaluable experience I've ever got because you have to think out the side the box to make anything work. Right. Yeah. No, that's that's amazing. I mean, you get both sides of it right there. And, you know, the knowledge you gain from both of them, I mean, it's just going to help you throughout the future with mm-hmm. just continuing uh, 
making an impact with, you know, possibly whoever you decide to work for in the near, you know, in the future. I'm not going to say near future. I'm used to saying near future with, <laughs> with my other But you get what I mean. First yeah. edit derailment, two minutes. <laughs> what got you into this, the field of video games, I guess? What, like... Was it just general video game enjoyment, or what kind of threw you down this path that you're taking so far? The the short of it is, is whenever I first played Castlevania Symphony of the Night, which is, in my mind, the greatest game of it all time. Um, uh, when I played that, I was like, I want to figure out how to work in video games. Of course, I was like 10, right? Yeah. But I, I didn't know what was going on. My dad told me, you're an idiot, you'll never get a job in video games. Um, but then um, got, what, about... Nine years ago, I was working at good old Enterprise in a car, giving mm-hmm. you the tools to be your own boss. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one of the dudes who was uh, he was in college at Texas State because I was working down in uh, South Austin, and he was one of the dudes that washed our cars. He was like, "You like video games? You should check out this thing called Twitch." I'm like, "I have no idea what that is." Right? I'm playing Destiny. I'm playing World of Warcraft, and I'm like, "Okay, I'll check out Twitch." And then. One thing led to another, and six, seven months later, I was streaming myself, um, and then realized because of streaming, I could, I could maybe kind of form a path into video games, and that's yeah. essentially what happened. I got laid off from a sales job. I was making a ton of money, but they did a, a little bit of a layoff, and mm. so I streamed full time. And then AMD was hiring, and um, I, I was community manager. I was the social lead for Ryzen's initial launch. Back in 2016, 2017. Yeah. Um, so that social media account, that, that was my baby, right? Um, and then I packed up my bags and I left my hometown of Austin and I moved to Los Angeles to go work in big old video games and worked at 505 Games. So it's, it's just like Destiny plus like someone tell me about Twitch. It's, I, I just found my end and now no one can get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> because they don't want to. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's it's a awesome. compliment and you'll take it. Okay, sorry. I, I thoroughly love to hear that cuz usually you see like Twitch being the end, right? Like I'm going to stream on Twitch, I'm going to make a career out of it. And which is great, but yours was like I'm going to start Twitch and that's going to be my end to the video game world. The video yeah. game. Yeah. It's because, like, whenever I first started streaming, influencer relations and, like, in, and, like content creator management mm. was just becoming a thing at publishers and developers. So they were looking for people with experience streaming and who had a Rolodex of content creators that they were friends with. So it was 90% of my journey was just right, right place, right time. Yeah. Like, I had streamed full time for nine months. 505 Games was looking for an influencer relations manager. They're like, we're not looking for someone who has experience in the industry. We're looking for someone who's been a full-time content creator and who knows people and will go to conventions and talk about our games. And I'm like, I'm already doing that on my own dime. Yeah. <laughs> it's not to do it. I'm in. And, and so again, it was like, I was, you know, I'm eternally grateful for, for my old boss, Rachel, for giving me a shot because I had no idea what I was doing. My entire background was in sales, which like doesn't really c- compare to what I'm doing now. 
Um, and then I learned so much throughout the years because of that. And I still stream to this day so that I, I keep on top of trends and, mm-hmm. and that it's a part of, you know, the, the campaigns and the marketing strategies that I build out. It's incredible. It's incredible. It is. Several people I've seen from just the community get a start in streaming as well. Holtzman, uh, sticks out in my mind as well. It's a very unique situation right there to be able to start here, have a, such a drive and passion and doing things already that you're already doing. Yeah. Just because you love to do it, you love to talk about it and get the word out. I do it all the time too about reading Terminal Market and their pastrami and egg and cheese sandwiches. If they're listening, I, I will uh, take a sponsor anytime because I will be talking about this till I go back to Philly. Um, but I'm just gonna, I'm going to interrupt you really quick. Sure. Me and Joe were on a meeting. I won't say with who because I don't know if I can yet. Um, you can. That's fine. Early, okay. Well, it, we were in a meeting earlier today talking with some people about like making some things and possible partnerships and things like that. And he brought this up again. <laughs> he really loves that sandwich. In the middle of a I business meeting. <laughs> For those who don't know what we're talking about, when we were in Pax Unplugged, there is a fantastic uh, like market in Philly known as the Reading Terminal Market. And it's just a combination of like um, everything. There's food. There's You can buy meats. You can... Bakeries. Everything. Yeah. There, and I used to go there tons because where I live, it's like an hour away from me. So if we're going in that direction, I will always stop by. So to me, this is like, yeah, this is the place I go. Brought Joe there, and he has two pastrami egg and cheese on a on a roll. And has not stopped talking about it. They were amazing. They were. Absolutely no, it's, amazing. A, oh. it's very good. I don't know if they sponsor us. No, probably not. Uh, I just felt like bringing up the pastrami sandwich. Oh, I'll come to Austin because I'll bring you to a barbecue joint that'll have you talking like that. I could only imagine. And we'll ruin barbecue anywhere else you eat it for the rest of your life. I'm going to hold you to that. Next time I'm in Austin, uh, I'm going to hit you up and be like, let's see what this barbecue is. The next time you're in Philly, you can always ask them to, I don't know, be a sponsor or something. I'll give them my card. Yeah, I mean. It's Might have a discount every time you go, like a 10%. It's the worst thing could happen. I was just in San Antonio, and... I'm sorry. Oh. Really? Because <laughs> I loved it. No! <laughs> the rivalry. It's the I-35 oh, it? rivalry. Okay, I apologize. I have <laughs> I have family in Dallas, but I was... That, so... I'm doubly sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, it gets rough down there, huh? <laughs> Austin's the best city in the state. What can I say? So the only place I haven't been to is Austin. So that'll be that's one of my trips. Come on down. <laughs> Absolutely will. But what I was trying to say was, uh, you know, you're already doing these things and you're already mm-hmm. very excited about, you know, what's out there. So to have the opportunity to work for the actual company and do what you're doing and getting paid and then moving forward throughout the industry is just an amazing opportunity it's almost like a cinderella story it seems like i mean it's just like a dream come true to be doing that kind of work in in my eyes yeah i you're you're not wrong in like cinderella story like that's a cool analogy i was 28 years old whenever i joined the, the games industry so i as soon as i joined i was older than everyone <laughs> like except but for like the, the old guard. but the shock yeah it was a, it was definitely a culture shock, and I had just moved to Los Angeles from oh Texas. Oh God! <laughs> Double shock. Yeah. 
So it it was wild, but like it was also really cool, and it, it's been pretty awesome throughout the like the entirety of my career. And now that I'm up in like senior management, now I'm everyone's my age, so I feel kind of kind of good now. <laughs> no, I get that. Being up in the senior management position of community management, and uh, is this is a topic that I I really wanted to bring up because. The position of community manager throughout the industry with studios and companies and everything is such a important role because they are that buffer, that that relay between the studio and the community and the player base and vice versa. And so much weight has to be on those individual shoulders because they have to be able to relay messages and feedback and data and everything else uh, back and forth. Because they're their go to, you know, individual. They're very important. Um, being a senior community manager, um, what are some of the kind of duties of that or, you know, the difficulties that that you see? Oh, well, there's a lot of difficulties. Oh, I I, yeah, I, <laughs> I live on the internet for a living. There's a difficulty. Um <laughs> uh, so I mean so it this is like the community manager role varies across literally every studio, every publisher, every company. Mm-hmm. It is different. Some are social media managers. It's just labeled a community manager. Some are forum moderators. Some are discord moderators. Um, some are community marketers. It's so it varies dependent oh. on where you are. Okay. Um, some are everything all in one. When I was at AMD, I was community manager and I did social forums, discord and influencers. Oh my God. I did all. Wow. Of- yeah. That must have been quite the load. Yeah, it sucked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason I was only there for six months, but at the same time, it was valuable experience and told me, like, what part of the role that I really wanted to focus on. But where I'm at now, like, a lot of what I do is strategy. It's a lot of building up, uh, like, where are we going to talk? What social channels are we going to use? How are we going to take the feedback from the community and give it to the dev team? Because that feedback is is invaluable, right? Like, cool, we can build whatever we want, but if the community says it sucks, then no one's going to use it whenever it's out publicly. Um, So developing things like a feedback loop. Um, Also making sure the devs are sticking to the timelines that they give us whenever we publish out things like a blog post or a roadmap. On top of that, uh, handling things like tone of voice. What are we going to sound like online? I think that's a big one that a lot of people don't think about, uh, especially in where I'm at and where I've worked at previously, it's defining what our voice is online and how are we going to respond to people? Are we going to be like Xbox and we're going to use memes and be fun and keep up with current trends? Or are we going to be like Square Enix that is very succinct and to the point and about marketing their games? Like, and both are effective ways of doing it, but it's figuring out what really works. So currently I'm working, you know, uh, at my company and I'm building out strategy more, I work hand in hand with marketing, which you, which you may not know, but community and marketing go hand in hand. And and then I also work with our dev team, and I make sure that everything our community says is in their hands, so that they know, hey, if the community hates this aspect or this feature is not cool, they know to deprioritize that, or to get us to send out a survey and say, hey, what would you like to see this this change to? On top of that, we're basically a wall in front of the company and just get pelted with things day in and day out. Part of the job. Everything. Gotta have, yeah, got to have thick skin. So it is what it is. But even if it is part of the job, one of the questions I had was, 
how do you manage kind of this, this onslaught of the internet? I drink a lot of beer. No. Uh, <laughs> I'm God, kidding. I don't, I don't drink imagine. that much. Um, no, it's uh, scotch. Sorry. <laughs> you do have to take everything with a grain of salt, and it sucks that we have to do that. Um, it sucks that we have to have thick skin. But, um, I mean, most of the people around Guardians Mental Health play Destiny, see the Destiny community, mm-hmm. and see how the community manager is treated to a point to where they have their own Twitter handle now. They're not using their personal things. Yes. So a lot of times, if you're being, if you're just com- being completely onslaughted, uh, the company will defend you. I've been in positions where they won't. Um, in fact, I was laid off from one. Whenever I was being harassed and doxxed, I got laid off because uh, they didn't want to deal with it. But it just depends on where you're working. And uh, for me, though, like at the end of the day, if it's been a hard day and there's been a lot of harassment or just a lot of like, can I cuss? Oh, sure. Oh, a yeah, lot yeah. Of, okay, like a lot of bullshit that I'm dealing with day in and day out, then that is, in all honesty, an NCIS day. Like, I disconnect from the Internet. I'll maybe play on, play on Twitter, but for the most part, I disconnect. This is also a reason that I have not published where I'm working. Uh, last time I did, people found all my personal accounts and, and came oh, after no. me whenever things weren't going the way that they wanted to, and... And especially because I was working on Star Wars games, which if you can't tell by my, by my arm and all the Star Wars stuff behind me, I am also a fan. So it kind yes. of sucked to be Don't attacked see. day in and day out by Star Wars community members. Um, they can be vicious. Absolutely yeah, vicious, too. Awful. It's so almost I just, like you can never make everyone happy. Yeah. No. You can't. It's impossible. It, it is impossible, but you can do your best. So now at the new gig, um, I go by a different username. Nellstar15 is nowhere to be found. Um, and I, you know, unless we're connections on LinkedIn, you don't know where I work. And it's, it's just one of the protections that I've taken. And what's funny, or not funny, what's wild is that this is becoming more common for community managers. I have three friends who just, who all in the past year started new jobs as community managers and just didn't reveal where they're working and are just doing their job. You know what? Sometimes you need that separation, that balance right there, because you need you utilize these platforms for work to interact with the communities and everything. But you need that separation between your private life, your you know, your personal connections and friendships and your own opinions, so on and so forth, than your professional side. When you muddle it all together, you like you said, you you get doxxed, you get hate mail all the time. You got to get thick skin. I can only imagine, you know, having that sort of pressure and you know, sort of attacks weighing on you. I mean, it would it would depress me, uh, in you know, in at certain points. But just hearing that that you you've created those separations is absolutely amazing, and. You can actually see it actually going over to other companies now. Like you mentioned, the Destiny uh, community managers all have just their own Destiny community manager, you know, page, and all their personal ones are separated. Even though it's you know kind of a little late, but uh, <laughs> you know, but it, it's going to work well in the long run because it, it it allows people to still relax and utilize the platforms and not just get. You know, do a post on, I'll do a post on yours wishing you happy birthday now, and uh, all of a sudden somebody will comment, fix your damn game. It's like, 
I'm wishing exactly. the, I'm wishing my friend a happy birthday. What does that have to do with the game? And just having that separation, I think, is very healthy overall. Yeah, well, and well, it's, for the longest time, I wasn't able to have the separation. Mm, Whenever I was directly yeah. it, directly working with content creators, like I built up such a Rolodex that like people followed me on Twitter to see what games Square was giving out keys for. So my personal Twitter became work. And so mm. I wasn't able to do that. And now that I've gone back into like just full-blown community management, I've been able to separate, which has been really nice. That's awesome. But to piggyback on those things, the, the role of community manager has been coming up in importance, kind of coming up more and more, where if you go back to when we were younger and like the Nintendo, Super Nintendo, and 64 days, where you really didn't see it outside of like trade shows or like Nintendo Power, because the internet wasn't really a thing. You had some people talk about it, but we didn't have like this community focus. So people would just deal with the frustrations that they had. But now with the internet and the immediacy of communication, we've, we've seen kind of this, this uptick of people just feeling the anonymity of like spewing whatever they want in whatever way they want. Oh, cause I got, uh, I mean, the internet, inter- you know, inadvertently created a uh, safety net for people to hide behind a screen name, a gamer tag, this and that. And, I mean, you don't know who, you know, well, everybody knows who I am. I'm very open about it. But Mountain Gear 64, nobody knows that his, you know, name's, you know, Billy Bob and lives in, you know, the Appalachian Trail or something like that. Now, uh, nobody knows his real name, what he, what his day job is, this and that. You You kind of get that kind of, like, Almost like a little bit of uh, buffer in between you and socializing with people. You can be a little bit more open or brazen and, you know, be a little bit more opinionated because they don't know who I am. And that's an unfortunate, you know, side effect, I think, of that. Yeah. And there were studies done. I I believe it was Blizzard that Mm. had done the the studies through WoW where they kind of changed... um, Hmm. People had to associate their real name. Yeah, they did oh, real ID. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the real ID. Mm-hmm. In, in the hopes that it would tone that. down <laughs> the anonymity. Work. And it, it didn't really work. No. no. No, I still play WoW. It doesn't. It, it doesn't <laughs> do anything. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, it's wild. But yeah, communities, like the growth of community management, the importance of community management growing over the past, I would even say the past five years, right? Um, and the time that, you know, past, even past eight years, the time that I've been around, uh, from community management being the bottom of the totem pole to now some of the most important things, um, and depending on where you work, really well paid because of what we mm. deal with. Um, but there's a lot of struggles that come with it still because of that anonymity, anonymity and, and what we have to deal with. Is there any, like, protection in place outside of, like, your own safeguarding, right? Do companies at times, they offer extra protections from doxing or any, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but like, is there anything that could be offered? Yeah, some do. Okay. Uh, some find ways to protect you. Um, okay. You know, there was some stuff that happened whenever I was at Square, um, and Square Legal got involved and issued a cease and desist. Okay. So there, there are ways that companies will protect you. And, it, you know, if, if it's a solid company, they'll, they'll go out of the way to make sure that their employees are taken care of, which is really cool. 
that's nice to hear, right? And I, and I think for me, that's not something that I personally have heard of. So it is nice to hear at least that some companies try to like at least step in and help to protect because, it, you know, hearing and seeing it on Twitter as hurtful or as horrendous as it might be, there's a way to like shrug that off in a sense, right? The physical aspect of it, the death threats that we've heard yeah. so much about, the mm-hmm. leaking of IP address, which leads to address information, right? All of that, that's real physical cause for harm and concern. Yeah, they're real people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the thing I can think about is the, the whole thing with swatting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How... How people have died because of swatting. Yeah. Uh, like, I'm going to be real. Like, whenever yeah. I move into a new apartment, I call my lo- local Austin PD precinct and, like, hey, here's what I do for a living. Here's what I do in my free time. Yeah. Um, if anyone's calling about a hostage situation in my apartment, trust me, it, it, it's not happening. It's literally just me and my dog. <laughs> yeah I, and and probably a cold beer like it, it's we're just hanging out and they're like we know what swatting is thank you for letting us know where you live um all that stuff so at least now um police departments whether they're effective or not in the u.s these days know what it is and are willing to listen when people call in and say hey this is what i do for a living right because for got- so long they didn't really know mm-hmm. what it was or really care to understand what it was yeah yeah, because yeah. it wasn't a thing before. Oh, I remember the I remember the YouTube videos of like it happening, but then the reactions afterward. And like you can see in certain people, like it is genuinely like a post traumatic type oh, of response, something like that. I, to bring it to like even just like a, a popular name, Cutie Cinderella. I, I was I caught her on a podcast once. And she was talking about it. And, you know, the things that she was saying, it was, it's like, I, I, I didn't sleep for days. You know, she's dating Ludwig, who was doing, like, the the whole uh, subathon. He was just streaming for, like, months and months at a time. And she goes, we're going to get swatted. And the feeling of anxiety and stress and concern about it. And I just, I, I say this in, to just to reiterate, like, these are human beings these are people these are not machines and robots who don't have you know (laughs) they have lives outside of what they're doing yeah yeah i mean yeah and that's i think that's a a hard thing too is living with the idea that this could happen at any moment especially with you know uh as a streamer and and as someone who works in the industry and and all that it's it's something i talk to my therapist about Quite frequently, I'm like, I'm afraid that someone might hurt me because of a game that I work on. And that is yeah. wild. And we saw yeah. it happen with Bungie, right? Like that yeah. guy that that got all of DMG's information and and sent out all these oh. threats. Like that is my ultimate fear. And and I, I mean, now I'm not working on titles that are that are going to be big enough to, to worry about that. But at the same time, that 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 threat is ever present. Of course. Yeah, because you never know who is on the other side of the keyboard. Mm-hmm. You never know what button can be pushed. Mm-hmm. So to 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 switch gears from from doom and gloom, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's talking about the great things because I do I, love my job. 
Yeah, and that's exactly what I did want to get into because, and obviously that stuff is very, very real. Mm-hmm. Um, it's part of the and, whole mental health aspect of it. Of yeah. course, no, no, of course. And it, I, again, I'm glad to hear a couple of things that you mentioned. One, that jobs actually do take care mm-hmm. uh, of you in some way, shape, or form. But I also heard the self care aspect of therapists and being yeah. able to talk to them about this, being able to mm-hmm. process this, being able to be like, how do I stay in a job that I love? with an overall like sometimes feeling of holy crap something's going to happen mm-hmm. so but yeah no what are what do you love about your job literally everything yeah. um so what we've all just touched on is probably about one percent of my job yeah right like the the bad stuff is one percent of it and it's because one i love what i do two we are trained to brush it off right again thick mm-hmm. skin and I, again, it's a, it's a shitty way to look at it, but, you know, brushing it off and, cause there's really nothing you can do aside from finding that person, banning them from your game. Right. And, but I, I love being able to interact with people from all over the world, from all walks of life, all creeds, all religions, all races, um, all sexual orientation, all genders. Like I get to interact with everyone and it is so cool to hear so many stories. And then work on games that are people where people will come up to me, be like, this game changed my life. This Mm. community changed my life. And I love that more than anything as someone who Destiny's community changed my life. Because I literally would not be here on this podcast right now if it wasn't for Destiny 10 years ago, which is wild to think of. First of all, that's 10 years old, but, you know, that it led to all this. God, I'm getting old. God. I know. I I still say that I remember playing the alpha mm-hmm. after E3, and it's been that long back oh. in 2014. Dude, I, Jesus I'm, Christ, really? I was in my yeah. 20s when it came out. I was 24. <laughs> I was I was 20, 27, 26, uh, 26. Uh, I was 25. Yeah, something yeah, something like that. We're all elder millennials. I get and it. I know. And I know. Yeah. Bird ninjas in chat. And she's gonna she's gonna make fun of me. <laughs> but she's the young one. Yes. <laughs> but so yeah, I mean, <laughs> go back to your question. Um, you know, there there are fun things. Like if I'm doing something on social that day, like who's not going to say that shit posting on Twitter is not fun, right? Like that is a part of my job, right? Like I just took over uh overseeing the social for one of my company's esports teams. And so it's super fun because esports social is all about memes, all about having fun. And so like today I spent all day writing copy for next week and it was what memes can I throw in? What's trending right now? What are people talking about? And what, how can we have fun? And then again, on the flip side, like the people I get to talk to are genuinely interested in being a part of a community. And it's, it's, it's great for work because as a content creator on the side, you almost lose that aspect of being a part of community because I remember what it was like to play WoW 20 years ago whenever I first started playing in vanilla and I would log in every night and I would hop in a Ventrilo server with my group of buds that were from all over the U.S. and we would just play WoW. There were 10 of us, 20 of us, right? And we would hang out. And as a content creator, that sense of community is gone, right? Like there's not that group of people that I just log into a server and talk to and hang out and play games with because I'm live. I don't want 12 people talking, right? So part of that aspect is gone. 
Um, and especially someone who really never focused on growing their, their community too large. I always just keep streaming as a way to raise money for charity. And I don't want to lose that platform. So for work, being able to now log into these, these servers or onto whatever I'm working on and, and talk with a large group of people who are genuinely excited to be there is one of the most fulfilling and awesome things in the world. Incredible. I love it. I love hearing that. And if I missed this already, I apologize. For your current, where you currently are, do you still have that connection and do you work with influencers as well too and content creators or is it primarily uh, just a community relation within like social media and other places like that. Yes, to all of the above. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I try to, I, I try not to overload myself, but then whenever yeah. people are like, hey, can you help with this? And I have experience and I have knowledge. I want to help educate people, especially when it comes to like creator relations and how you're running creator campaigns and stuff. I want to help educate people right. so that moving forward, they're more knowledgeable and they're treating creators with the respect that they deserve. That's important. 100%. Mm-hmm. But what you were mentioning uh, earlier about uh, writing uh, copy for using memes, there's mm-hmm. a whole science behind memes about how we communicate and how do we communicate effectively with memes. And we wouldn't have had this without the Internet. Yeah. It's a great and horrible thing all at the same time. My, my <laughs> job would not exist without the Internet, right? Without the Internet, there is no community management. It's just plain and simple. I mean, sure, mm-hmm. back in the day with, like, Doom and, and all the, like, if we're talking about older games, there were people who managed communities, but it was still all internet-based. It wasn't like it is now. You were talking about forum moderators, right? And, mm. and, and, and stuff like that. I don't, I don't mean, I don't know how D&D managed a community back in the 80s. I have no idea. It's absolutely wild to think about. And now I'm going to have to go look it up later. When you find out, let me know, because I'm curious about that, too. (laughs) I think I remember reading where a lot of community members, again, they they didn't really have the Internet. They would send out, like, monthly letters. Yeah, that's where newsletters came from, right? So I guess also you have, like, the local community, right? Like, you would go to your comic book shop and play D&D or play Magic back in the day. I know I did. I went to my local comic book shop and played Magic every Friday afternoon. D&D. Second edition. Done a fat cat books. I'll never forget. It's amazing. <laughs> it's progressed in a way where it's less about I'm just soaking up information as like a, someone in the community as to I'm being part of the conversation mm-hmm. and having some real input. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I don't know how to add to that. You're, yeah, it's you're right. Like the input there, right? I I don't know how to add to that. That was such no, a deep statement. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think we need to work on reaching a balance in terms mm-hmm. of getting the information and expecting that all, everything that we want from a game or project is going to meet our own expectations mm-hmm. because there are very few perfect games. And, and even then, the, you're going to find people that complain about something. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, examples of watching a review, someone was complaining that with the new lighting system, they removed the flare that the old GameCube game had of when you charged up your beam, it would have like a flare on your um, your gun. 
and that is missing from this particular version. So it can be like a master remaster, but yet it will pick on those little things. Yeah, it happens, right? Like, and this goes back to us saying, like, you're never going to make everyone happy. Like, I remember whenever we launched Final Fantasy VII Remake. You know? Um, Phenomenal game. <laughs> yeah, one of the biggest games I've ever worked on. And everyone was mad because it wasn't a point-point remake of the original. I was like, you guys have to understand, this isn't a remaster. This is a remake. They are remaking right. it with today's technology, with a different story, but using the same characters. And no one wanted to accept that. And, like, Final Fantasy VII fans were mad. And I'm like, I don't know why you're mad. This game is amazing. And I love Seven Originals. Seven Originals is the only Final Fantasy I've played. And have both, you know? Uh, the Last of Us. So the HBO show, it's almost like a remake. It, it is good. taking the source material. <laughs> I can't wait till Sunday. But changing it. And it's so good. And I, I think I remember reading something from Neil Druckmann saying, I wish we would have done this in the original game. That was mm-hmm. making um, Sam. He, he said oh, there's yeah. a mute. Oh, yeah, Joe, you're on mute. I was gonna say there, he said in the after you're on episode, mute. For episode three, right? He's like, there are so many things in the game that we can't do in a live action show. And there's things in the game that we want to explore. We wanted to explore further, but we couldn't. Yep. So we're going to explore it in the end the show. Yeah, because the show is more like narrative character based, mm-hmm. whereas the game has to have like the combat. Mm-hmm. Although the, the combat at, at the end of episode five was just amazing. I don't, I don't, I don't want to watch an episode of Joe, Joel dying seventy five times in a row like I did in the game. <laughs> I know, <laughs> and right. magically respawning. And, and I'm trying to figure out how to get past the clicker. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think here is sort of that that issue that I think we as as a mental health org have seen and somebody like yourself now who has dealt with it within the community, right? What? How do you differentiate and whether it's just like uh, a legitimate workflow or process wherever you're working or whether it's more personal, how do you differentiate between like that constructive, I guess, sort of feedback versus pure unadulterated trolls? Mm. <laughs> so... One, first and foremost, one of my biggest things that I have is a feedback loop. It's how yeah. I take in feedback, where I document it, how I present it to the devs, how they comment on it, and then how they provide me information to respond to the community. Okay. It's a big old circle Ooh, that we work on. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it is one of the most important things in community management. To your actual question of how do we differentiate, it is a judgment call based on the community manager. Gotcha. Like, okay. I, 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 there are things that I see that I know are a troll or that I know is complete hate that is actual good feedback that i will put in but mm. there's a lot of stuff that is trolling and hate that i'm like this is this is crap they don't need to see this the devs don't need to deal with this stress because they're already stressed as hell developing the game right right so so it's a judgment call there there's times where i see stuff and i'm like they need to see this and there are times where i'm like they don't but there are also there's been plenty of times where i'll put things into the feedback loop and they're like we already know or we don't give a shit. Like, cause that's like a core functionality of what we're dealing with. Yeah. Right. Like there were, there were times with outriders, people were like, I don't like that third person. And people can fly. We're like tough titties, dude. Like, <laughs> it's a third person shooter. Like right. it's hard to like it. <laughs> right. Or go play something else. 
or go play something else. We're like, we're, they're like, we're Gears of War developers. What do you? We, right. We've mastered the, we've mastered the third party shooter yeah. here. I still yeah. play Gears of War. I, I think it's a great game. So do I. I did Tactics. <laughs> it was on the pass, and I did Tactics. Uh, tactics was, is good. I like yeah. that. But so I I I love that it's a judgment call, but I can also hear like even that. It's also that combing through literal yeah trolls. So, it, have there been moments where it was just a pure, unadulterated troll hatred, but it was like, shit, I gotta bring this back to the team, because it kind of makes sense. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's been some stupid stuff that I've seen, and I'm like, this guy is being a troll, but this is also a good idea, so I'm gonna present it to the team. Yeah. And, and you see things get implemented, right? Like, there are some troll things that happened through Marvel's Avengers that we brought up to the team in our, mm. in our, uh, you know, we used to do, we used to have a little, like, ambassador program. We'd bring it up in the calls that we would have with them, and, and they'd be like, oh, that's actually a good idea. Uh, I know they're trolling, but we're gonna work on this. Also, yeah. rest in peace that game. <laughs> oh, did it? Because officially, the servers go down? Uh, no, they're sunsetting it in September. Oh, wow. Really? I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I missed that one. I cried. Don't worry. Because yeah. there, there's so many games where, and you can maybe fill me in on this or clarify things, where they kind of go through cycles, like peaks and valleys. So new content drops, there's a peak of everyone's enjoying it, and then things start to dwindle, where yeah. they start to see some of the bugs or some of the, the launch of D2. The campaign was great. Everyone was overjoyed about how good it was, and then we kind of all hit that content wall. Yeah. That's games as a service. It's it's something you have to be prepared for, and it's something like for like Avengers, it's something I prepared for whenever I was developing, developing my influencer plan. I was like, where are the peaks going to be? Where are the valleys going to be? Because yeah. the peaks are going to be where I reach out to my creator friends, and I'm like, hey, you should play it again. Let's get some coverage. Um, and the valleys are going to be where we're only working with our ambassadors and we're doing our Q and A's and we're trying to understand what we can improve with the game. And, and, and Destiny is, is such a unique example because it has such a passionate fan base in a genre that doesn't have any competitors, right? Everybody wanted to say that Outriders was a competitor. Outriders is literally Borderlands, if you want to compare it, mm. right? Yeah. Outriders is a third person in space Borderlands. People are very borderlines to Destiny. Which you can't. You play through it, and then you can replay the end bosses, right? And you can go farm other loot, but you're done. There's no social aspect to it like Destiny. Right. And 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 you see it with Destiny, right? Like, there's been a lot of feedback over the past couple of years with the seasonal-based model, and and a lot of headaches that have probably come and gone through that community team. Um, but they've listened to feedback and we're seeing that. We saw that in, in, in Joe Blackburn's like state of the game post where, hey, mm-hmm. these are, you know, these are ready three months before they come out and, but we've been listening and so there are going to be seasons coming up where it's not the vendor model and we're going to try different things and we've been listening. So you ha- you, you plan for the peaks and the valleys, right? You pay, you plan for content droughts. That is, that is an inevitable aspect of games as a service, right? Like, I'm playing WoW, right? And at the end of Shadowlands, for a year, there was nothing to do. For a mm. full year of World of Warcraft, there was nothing to do unless you were a raider. Mm. And I wasn't. Yeah. I was I was a casual, enjoy a little bit of PvP here, 
do some yeah. other questing or mountain farming there, but there was no content. And you just plan for those droughts. The, being in the games industry, how much have you seen like community expectation change when it comes to live service games? Oh, they want everything and they want it now. I blame J.G. Wentworth for those stupid commercials. We're both national? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that was regional. <laughs> no. When the oh, thing does a commercial, it's national. God. Yeah. So, but uh, everything is, is instant gratification now. And it didn't yeah. used to be that way. And it wasn't that way when I first started in the industry. Health. What, four years ago when we launched Control and I was at 505 Games. Like, it, it, it wasn't like that. But it's, it's changed. This mentality of we need changes in the game that we're playing now. And we, like, we want exactly what we want. Mm. And we see that with so many gas games. And it's, it's, it's unattainable. It is an it unattainable is goal to keep the community happy and give them what they want as fast as they want it. Yeah, right. Especially if you want to put out curse? quality. Yes. It's the Fortnite curse where Fortnite's putting out a new update, what, every couple weeks? Shit, it's, it's not, almost it's, like every week. Yeah, and you know how big that team is? Right. Oh, I'm sure it's massive. I'm sure yeah. it's international, too. No one else is that big. Epic made billions off of that game. I'm sure they're still billions. billions. Yes. Is it still in beta? I, I never really checked. Yeah. If yes, yes, it is. It makes beta. no sense. That game is still in beta? Yeah. yeah. There's, I think mm-hmm. there was a reason why it's still in beta because some other franchises took up the same mantle as mm-hmm. you know them leading by example, and they left their games in beta as well. Um, yeah, it's you know, well, it's there's it's some, always in development. It's never yeah, finished. Exactly. There's some like there's some I, I don't know what word I'm looking for. There's some. There's some shit with, like, the naming of a final product of a game, and if it's continually in development, then technically it's, a, it's never officially ready. Yeah. But then you could argue that World of Warcraft, Destiny, Gold Wars, and yeah. those games are always in development. I, yeah. I don't know. Maybe Epic's just lazy, and they don't want to say it's launched. I love all I my feel... friends that work at Epic. I just... It's, it's just more so the title of it being a beta that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> well, I think it's just because it's also a game mode, too. Um, when they released a Fortnite, it was your True. fucking zombies and monsters and all that stuff, and they released this Battle Royale, Battle Royale as yeah. a beta, and that's what catapulted that entire off, yeah. you know franchise into the stratosphere. I play Fortnite. I I'm not going to lie. I played Fortnite with my daughter. I played Fortnite the other day. I did. I played it once. I, and Matt, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But fun. those those multiplayer games are so different than the single-player games where... I, I know, like, Horizon um, just dropped a expansion mm. yesterday, and they're, like, self-contained as compared to, like, the massive multiplayer online, where there are so many more things in it that could go wrong. And I think that the the QA team, (laughs) I'm sure, cannot find every single bug that millions of people playtesting a game will inevitably find. I put it on Twitter, I think, every time there's a Destiny update, that there's zero way to perfectly QA a game before it goes into a live environment. Mm. It's it's just not possible. 
you do your best, and, and but then things break. Thanks, Telesto. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) is it safe to say another reason for that too because i think there's unfortunately this mentality right where everybody goes into the past i think everybody is 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 victim to this not just boomers in a sense right where we go into the past of video games where the game launched it was on a disc and that was it is it always the nostalgia of it the rose-colored glasses Right, but it's also the idea, too, right, the games have become much, much more complex than that, just in development-wise, just in um, structure-wise, that that games do tend to release with, you know, a patch at launch or consistent and constant updates. And how as a community manager would you even express that? Like, uh, does that get through to the masses or no? Uh, yes and no, but I mean, okay. I feel like a lot of people need to realize that Duke Nukem came on a floppy disk and Forspoken is 120 gigs. Hell yes, it did. So, God, I wish yeah, I still so had did that. I. I <laughs> did you? To Cast- yes, I had returned to Castle Wolfenstein and sign on MS DOS. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had uh, the oh, you're floppy me back. disk. I'm the original first person shooter, right? Um, yeah. But Before I mean, Doom. we do. We do what we can to prepare. I mean, there yeah. is, to keep it on topic with you guys, like, there's a lot of, like, mental health, like, preparation that we do as well, right? Yeah. Like, preparing for a launch and understanding, hey, we have a day one patch because the final touches on a game broke something somewhere, right? right? Because the game is never finished until the day that it comes out. And even we'll go then. through all the checks. Yeah, even then, it's never done, right? Right. According to the internet. Uh, this game's broken. It's shit. It's terrible. But we have to prepare, one, for messaging. Uh, how are we going to message that there's a day one patch? What are we going to message about preloads? Uh, why can't you play it before this time? Um, and then we have to prepare, again, like mentally uh, and emotionally yeah. what we're going to deal with coming in and, and, and really be prepared with, like I said, I, I will come back to the feedback loop. It is the most yeah, no, no, it's, but it makes sense. Yeah, and how are we going to go from we were in a beta test and we had a 1,000 people to now there are 2 million people playing the game? And how are we going to take that feedback in and how are we going to sift through it and all that jazz? So for like a day one patch, there's a lot that goes into it. Obviously, the dev side is completely different from what I'm doing, right? No, of course. Mm -hmm. There is, but there is, comparatively, they're doing more. But I'm like... How am I not going to lose my mind or go drink a 12-pack of beer after lunch? And so you just you just prepare. Use your past experiences. I will go back and look at some of the harder launches that I had, like Outriders and Marvel's Avengers. But then I will go and look at some of the good launches I had, like Final Fantasy VII Remake and Control um, and Bloodstain. Bloodstain yeah. will always be my, like, if you want to go look at it, one of the best launches I've ever seen was that game. I'm not trying to toot my own horn. But it was great. Oh, two to away. Yeah. And it was fantastic. Um, before the game launched, I got to have a, uh, I got to have a margarita with Koji Igarashi, which, you know, <laughs> Castlevania Symphony of the Night is my favorite Heck game. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it was great. Um, Thank you so, so much there, for the follow. There's follow-up. just a lot Love of preparation and making sure that you're ready for the influx of communication. So we have to set up processes and workflows with the dev team, with the comms team, right? Because, Community managers aren't always a part of the comms team. Sometimes we're under player services. And and so it's making sure that every single workflow is set. Everyone's committed to it. Everybody understands 
when we get this piece of information, how it goes through the chain of custody. Yeah. Can you be creative? Because I can see... Can you be creative in how you respond to the community? Oh, absolutely. Can you do a Wendy's? Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, <laughs> with companies I've worked for, no, I can't right. be a Wendy's, right? Like, I worked for Square Enix. Like, our social team was never right. I, like that. And I guess that's kind of what I'm asking. Like, I, I know a lot of big business probably has their hands kind of in everything, and whether we think that's right or not, immaterial, you know, mm-hmm. in, in certain cases. Um, and I guess that's why I asked about the creativity aspect. Like, are you able to meet sort of the gamer where they are at that point? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, we, 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 we still have fun. It may not be on official channels. Yeah. Um, but there are places that will have fun. Like the out, there's a bit, we had a big ambassador program for Outriders and we had fun in the Discord with that team, right? Of okay. like 350 people and we were shooting the shit, posting gifts, posting memes. Just having a grand old time because it would be a or lose our sanity because the yeah. servers were down for the first eight hours of launch. <laughs> oh, no. oh my god! There's nothing you can do. No, and that if you want like a master class in how to properly pivot a communication strategy, I would go look at Outriders. Go look at the month leading up to launch and how they communicated, and then go look after launch and how it pivoted straight to transparency on everything we were doing. That is a master class on community uh, on uh, communications. Yeah, I, it makes me think of um, a lot of the Battlefield launches. Because I remember when Battlefield Three and Battlefield Four launched, they were kind of crap. It's like, oh, it's another Battlefield game, mm-hmm. and they launched broken, and they ended up being some of the best first-person shooters out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rough launch doesn't mean the game's going to be bad. Right. Launches right. are hard. They are, one, we have been mentally and emotionally and physically invested in this game for three, four, five years. Yeah. And then it comes down to a split second that it goes live on Steam. Um, and then one thing goes wrong. And and it takes a toll, right? And so we've, we've worked up to this moment, and and we're, we're excited. We got cupcakes in the in the commissary. We're having a great time. Most of the time, <laughs> right. there's booze involved. We're having a great time, and then it'll go live, and someone will be like, "Shit, the servers are down," and 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 so yeah, like chaos mode. Then it's chaos mode, and everyone has to keep like themselves in check. Again, it is a mental game launching launching a game. It is it is mentally taxing. I do double therapy sessions when I launch games. Like I need to talk extra yeah. um, because it is this this wild moment, and you don't know if everything's going to work. And and if it does, then great. But if not, then you do what you're paid for, essentially. Because you're almost sitting on the powder keg. Yeah, yeah, that's the grab. I would have put C4 instead of a powder <laughs> keg. <laughs> and you're trying to minimize the explosions from the community. Realistically, yeah. if you want to keep with that analogy. Mm-hmm. You're trying to upkeep and uphold and tell me if I'm wrong. Like you're trying to upkeep the company in the sense on a community level of like, we know what's happening. We know what's going on. This is what we're doing. You know, X, Y, and Z. And you, you're just sitting there reading. I, I, I'm putting myself in this situation and I'm going to be bluntly honest. I don't think I could fucking do it because I, (laughs) basically because of what you said, right? You're invested in this game for like, Five years, you know, you start to love this game. This game becomes a strong part of your it. life. It's a part of your daily life. 
mean. Yeah. And then, I guess in the off shot that you did love it, you're now watching over 2,000 people potentially telling, not you, but telling the game, you suck. Because <laughs> it, it's blaming, first and foremost, they're going to look at the community manager to blame like the devs, to then blame like the company and publisher. And I think this is where uh, like the books from Jason Schreier's The Blood, Sweat, and Pixels really helped us shed some light behind the curtain on how things are going. Mm-hmm. That because of the internet, because of how anonymous things are now, people don't yeah. understand that it's real people working on these games um, that they're trying to do their best and games are hard. Games they are, really are much hard. more complex than the initial Wolfenstein. Well, that too, and people uh, yeah. tend to kind of downplay how much work and effort go into this and how how much investment go into developing everything from marketing, communication, to programming, to coding, to testing, to every other thing, art, design, everything up and down, all to be put into a nice little package to be released to the masses. I mean, it's it's in- incredible. It's incredible that any game gets released just for the sheer fact of how much goes into it. It really is. Mm-hmm. I've watched, why we have producers, if I'm being oh. honest. That's why a producer's role at a game studio, if you don't know, they're the ones that keep basically the thread woven still. Mm-hmm. They keep it from unraveling. Producers are... I mean, in my mind, they are the most important people in game development because they make sure that shit has not hit the fan 24-7. Well, it makes me think of, like, back in, like, the Nintendo days, like the early NES, they could flip a game in, what, six months? Eight months? That must be nice. Who? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but look at how bad they were. E.T., there's literal oh. landfills of <laughs> E.T. up there, right? Like, If you got one, you're, you're rich yeah. because those things, the worst, what was it? It was the worst game ever released in history. Yeah, it's the worst game ever made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> E.T., yeah. I can't believe you just dropped an E.T., Oh my god. Of course. If you haven't watched the there's a history video games documentary on Netflix. I think it's called like Level Up or something like that. Go watch it. Uh also uh I have friends that are in that documentary. It's really good. Uh it'll give you a great idea of where we've come from Pong to like the founding of EA of electronic arts. Before it was EA, it was just it was electronic arts and their sports games. Like that is a great documentary. But, I mean, there's also the adverse side of game launches, right? Like, whenever Outriders launched, I'm the public face because, right, I'm the guy who's dealing with all the influencers, and I'm on my social channels, and I'm outwardly talking to people. And, like, I had a breakdown. I'm not afraid to admit it. I Mm. tweeted it out. I was like, fuck you guys. I'm not a dev. I don't know what's going on with the servers. Stop blaming me for shit. Stop, Stop attacking me. Like literally, go fuck yourselves. Like mm. and like, I I was I was done. I I I logged off for the day. I was like, I told my boss, I was like, I can't deal with this right now. And and that is the ugly side of being a forward facing employee at a game studio. And I mean, it was wild. The, the amount of support that poured out from the industry, though, 
right? Like there were people that I have never met, but that I have looked up to in this industry um, that are communications managers or C-level people at companies like Epic and Ubisoft um, that reached out to me and were like, hey, you're not alone. We've all done this. If you need to talk, we're here. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of people miss out looking from the outside in to the uh, industry is that we really are. It's like being in high school again, but in the best possible way. Everybody knows everywhere, everyone. It's a very small industry. Um, and so whenever you do have that, that mental health crisis in working in video games, you are not alone, right? There are a lot of people who have been through exactly what you've been through who have had the same struggles that you have whenever you launch a game or when you launch a DLC or just whenever you're doing anything in the industry and you're, and you're, you're there's a guy named Guy um, who uh, works for Retop, and but during the pandemic, he founded uh, Games Industry Gathering called Gig. Yeah. Started off, yeah. Started we know off them as, well. Yeah. So obviously started off as Hotel Lobby Bar because yep. – uh, Friday nights were like, let's get drunk and hang out on Zoom. It was the very beginning of the pandemic, and um, and then it eventually turned into what it is now. And because of that, like my network and my group of friends has grown exponentially. And I I know like if something bad like that happens again, I have a solid support group because of Guy and building that. And I remember going to the very first one. Uh, and it was really cool, and Lucky. I still go to them. Do you do the, any of the virtual ones? I was on oh, the yeah. one this month. I didn't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the next one's like March 2nd or something like that, but I'm looking it's forward to It's the first to... Friday of every month, and yeah. if you're in the games industry, I highly suggest you look into that. Or if you're games adjacent, like you guys are, yeah. um, obviously look into Gig. It is a great resource, not only for networking, um, and I know people who found mentors through Gig. Um, they also have a place for students to join and, and learn about the industry. And, um, but every for the most part of the industry, every, Everything. every, it's fantastic, but mm-hmm. this industry is so great whenever it comes to mental health. And that, that's like one of the reasons I've stayed in games. When I was laid off in October, I was, I mean, a millimeter away from leaving games and going mm-hmm. and doing community management in some other industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it wasn't for that support group, uh, I would have left. I love just hearing. I rarely hear anybody talk about gigs. Um, so it's really amazing for you to give a, such a positive shout out for them and yeah. what Guy built. And that it's absolutely incredible inside that. Just the Discord server is absolutely impactful. And I, I just, like you said, Matt, are, are you in that server? I, yes, it's, yes, I am. Yeah, we're gonna have to do one of the meet and greets. Plus, we're gonna have to sign up for packs when yes. for that one for the live one because now they're doing the live ones again, which those yep. are a lot of fun. I won't be a pack, but um, I mean it's a short different. flight for you. I'm just saying now. Listen, if work's not sending me to events, then I'm not going. Not I, fair. I, I did my convention circuit on my own dime, um, and I'm I'm more content to stay here and cuddle with Moxley, who is currently. Half the F out right next to him. The guys are rolling in the back of his head. He's out. Oh, same. Oh, sorry, I woke up. Oh, no, he just opened his eyes and gave me the side eye. Yeah. He's like, mad at me. I woke him up. Right, right, yeah. you were mentioning, the, the mental health aspect mm-hmm. of the games industry as compared to other, uh, like, company-facing or community-facing uh, organizations, 
I remember way, way back when I worked in a call center for essentially just we were doing um, mail-in rebates when those were really a thing. <laughs> and people were nasty. Mm-hmm. The, the turnaround at the company was a couple months. Ooh. Yeah. People will last two, three months. And it, it, they would just cycle employees. Well, just, just, I know we're getting close towards the end, but just off that top, you know, just touching on that, um, the real scary thing was, uh, the game industry is, can also be a, a meat grinder as well. They're grabbing mm-hmm. this fresh talent right out of college, burning right through them. There was, uh, a few places that were in the news several years ago that were just, their turnover rate was just astronomical. And they were just chewing through these individuals Wasn't right Bioware out of college. I can't one of them? remember who it was. Uh, the the industry just it it turns people out. Like it, it it will spit you out a different person than you were when you joined. And it's because some of these bigger and older companies are still the old boys club. And yeah. And I mean, you're I'll call them out. You see it with Activision. Activision's yeah. still mm. that old boys club, and and now they're. Literally being sued by the government because of it. And that kind of shit takes a toll on your mental health. And luckily, I've worked at great companies. You know, there are some that I wish I had never joined. Uh, there, well, there's only one that I wish I had never joined. But at the end of the day, I did and I learned from it and I have valuable experience to come out of it. And, and, but not everyone can say that. But yeah. I've also been very picky of where I've gone and worked. I had a job offer from Activision. Um, and I turned it down and it was more money than I've ever seen. Um, and I was like, it's just not worth it. One, I'm not moving back to Los Angeles. I'm moving back to Austin during the pandemic. I'm not leaving my hometown probably ever again. And there are just bad companies out there. And unfortunately, it's some of your favorite developers and publishers. It really is. The bigger they are, the worse they are. Except for whenever it comes to companies like Bungie and Squares. And and that's working for Xbox. Amazing. You know? Yeah. And... But, I mean, look at the companies that are in the news. It's Activision, it's Blizzard, it's Ubisoft, it's Epic, right? It's the biggest EA. names in the industry. EA. EA, though, has turned over a leaf, right? Like, you haven't heard bad things about EA internally for about five or six years now. Because all that shit came out about them, and they're like, we need to change. And and they put a focus on their employees and the, their employees' lives outside of work, and, and things have changed to the point to where... Whenever I was interviewing, I was a final candidate for a position at EA, and I would have taken it in a heartbeat. Yeah. Almost like they were put in a position where they were forced to change. Change is never easy. But and also, it, it, it could be that maybe a certain, it never got to a certain level in within the company for them to see what was actually happening on the ground floor on the front line with all the developers, what was going on, the fraternity styles, this and that, uh, right. old boys club, and then these people are worrying about completely different things and they're like, wait, what's happening? And they're just unaware of it because communication mm-hmm. wasn't there. Um, there, it could be a, a, a multitude of just reasons why those things happened. I mean, I could be wrong, but it's also right. could be something that is very possible. But I mean, in the eight years I've been in the industry, it, it's changed, right? Like every company that I've worked for in the past two years has offered mental health assistance, which is absolutely amazing. Um, and benefits have gotten better. Pay is still shit. Um, but, um, everywhere. <laughs> yeah. God. Um, 
but but things have gotten better, right? Like I remember what it was like whenever I was working at five oh five. You know, I was young and fresh at twenty seven <laughs> years old, <laughs> and uh, like five oh five was great. Um, you know, I, I tweeted about it not too long ago. Like I should have never left five oh five, and I I stand by that. Um, but sometimes you have to leave to grow and to learn, mm-hmm. and I did, and I got the chance to work at Screen Enix. But I was at five oh five and I had friends working at Activision and, and Riot and, and all these places in LA. And they were all talking about how terrible everything is. And I'd be like, I'm just not going to talk because my day was fucking awesome. Yeah. So, <laughs> and my boss made sure that I signed up for therapy. You know, it's like, uh, it, it, it's wild how different each company is. I think it comes from like the internal values of the company mm-hmm. to push it on the employees. Like you mentioned, making sure that you signed up for for therapy, for mental health services. Mm-hmm. Certainly in this type of industry, within this type of role you had, was almost paramount. We get, oh, okay. uh, not newsletters, but we get flyers in the mail with reminders throughout the year. Uh, have you checked out, you know, your mental health care? Have you checked out, you know, uh, Doctor, doctors on your phone. Have you checked out this? So physical therapy. Have you checked out this? And I think those reminders were key to remind me that oh, this is available to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. Like my and my boss at my my current company is one of the best people I've ever worked for, and she is That's absolutely awesome. amazing. You know, she's like I. You know, if you need a day, take a day. Right? The world's right. not going to end. Because you didn't work for a day. What are you, what are you missing out on? Building out a few PowerPoint slides? Like the world's not going to end. Feedback's not going to be answered for a day. Great. You don't have your feedback meeting until Wednesdays anyways. You can take a day. You, she is pushing for us to take our vacations. Like go out and do your stuff. So I have two weeks off when life all launches because she told me to. She's like, I was like, hey, I'm going to take off the first week. She's like, well, you know, you told me about the raid. I don't know what that is, but. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like my boss. (laughs) Yeah. And and so, you know, I've been fortunate to work actually my entire career, except for one company, under very strong and powerful women. And I think that is something we're seeing change in the industry, too, is that we're seeing more diversity be promoted. It's also bringing a different approach. Yes. Yes. And, and I love everyone that I've worked for, you know, still my, my boss at 505, who only worked for her for two years and I have not worked with since 2019, still sends me a Christmas card. We still, oh. we, 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 I, 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 whenever I have any problems or I'm, I'm stuck or anything, I go back and I text her and I'm like, Hey, what are your thoughts on this? And, and I guess she's my mentor, right? Like she's the one that gave me a chance. I remember walking out of the premiere of it to a voicemail that I got the job, right? Like, I still remember every aspect of that job. So it, it is, you know, a lot of the mental health aspect of working in games depends on who you're working with and working for. Yeah. And the access to it as well, too. Mm-hmm. You know, being able to have access to it, being able to, you know, not get singled out or targeted <laughs> if you're using it as well, too, is definitely key. Yeah. For sure. You know, I, and again, that's why, I, you know, when you mentioned that, just at, even at the start, I was very glad to hear that at least during your career, there's been support from, you know, up, you know, management and other people. Because it is great to have the support of coworkers, but also for meaningful change to happen, you do need the support and sort of the people up top to be on board. 
for things like that to occur. You Um, have to. Yeah, there's no other way to make any type of change. Mm -mm. Um, A way that I've always seen the community management is almost the community's therapist, where you're able to take everyone's shit, (laughs) take it with you, bring it into like the dev team, and then bring a solution out. Yeah, so you're right. holding on, you're kind of in between both, holding on to everything. But yeah, the person can only take so much. Yeah, that, is, that is true, and I think that's why, like, as a community manager, if you can afford it, get a dog. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but at the same time, um, I've always said that I work for community, not for the company that I work for, right? Because I work for them. I am making sure that they are heard and that they are represented represented internally at any meeting that I'm in that they are heard. And we say this, you have to have thick skin, but at the end of the day, I have thick skin and I can brush things off because I go to therapy and I talk about it, right? Like my therapist is bound under law to not talk about what I, I I, I tell her, right? It's like, I can, I can talk about the things that I'm working on. Um, and and it's nice to get it off my chest. Like, you know, like at the end of the day, Twitter's not real. It is a social media platform with a bunch of shitheads that are trying to ruin someone's day. If they're not happy, they're going to scream. And just being able to get that off your chest and talk about it and, and and talk about, you know, kind of the struggles that a lot of people internally at most companies don't understand. Community management yeah. is not not understood by most people. There are companies who don't think that community management has any ROI. Right. There are people who think that it is it is worthless and there's and there's no need to have it. And and it, and I get it because there's a lot of things that you can't put a metric value on in community management. Right. You can't always track what what people are thinking in a number. Right. So. Yeah, no. True. <laughs> and it's, not I also, very, it's not very quantifiable. No, that's what I, I was looking for. I also want to add to you're not just, you know, brushing it off, right? Because I remember we said that in sort of the beginning, like, awful way to think about it in a sense. You're really not, though, because you're taking that extra step and getting support that you need, be it on a professional, but also on a personal level, too, right? So I think that's the uh, that that's the flip side of this, is that, yeah, there's in the moment, there has to be that active sort of brushing it off, I guess, in a sense. But you're taking it one step further, being like, oh, today's session's going to be great because, <laughs> you know, I get to scream Talk about, about this or this. Yeah. Yeah, there um, are therapy sessions that I have with my own therapist. Like, oh, this is going to be a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, I love that day. Whenever I'm like, oh, I have seven sticky notes. I can't <laughs> wait for therapy. Yeah. <laughs> But as a, on the flip side, like there are times where I don't. There are things I don't talk to my therapist about, right? And yeah. it's me in a in a group chat with other community managers, and we just shit on the people that are posting stupid things. Right, right. <laughs> There's the other side too. Yeah. You get you get the you know the personal support just from coworkers and colleagues, and yeah. that camaraderie helps. I remember I utilized that a lot when I when I was uh, working in a hospital. I it was just needed that hour lunch break where we all got together to just either eat in silence or <laughs> vent about all the bullshit that happened during the day. Like, it's so important. That is the one thing I about I miss about working in an office, because I am 100% remote. 
yeah. um, is I miss having a lunch break to shoot the shit with people. That's it. I, I don't miss people walking by my desk to have a conversation. I because I like I'm trying to work. Leave me the leave me the hell alone. Right, right. <laughs> I want to like I was like going to Taco Tuesday over by LAX whenever I worked at, at Square Enix, right? Like it was it was super fun. So like that's the only thing I miss is that lunch break to to decompress with your coworkers who understand what you're going through. No, hundred percent. Really, again, I think the fact that you mentioned gig is mm-hmm. again it's a stopgap for like working from home. Yeah. But we need this person-to-person interaction. Mm-hmm. And I'm lucky outside of video games that I have a very, very good core group of friends. Um, so I have my friends that I play Destiny with or I just hang out in, in Discord with um, that are my best friends that they all live in Florida and I don't. Um, but regardless, I uh, hang out with them in Discord all the time. But then I also have my core group of friends here in Austin. Tomorrow, we're going to a brewery tomorrow afternoon just to hang out. We haven't seen each other in a couple weeks. Everyone's been kind of stressed with work, and I'm the only person who works in games out of this group. So no one understands a thing I'm talking about. But still, they will listen, and that's the coolest. That That is a very cool thing. And, and that's the key thing, having people that will listen. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. You can't do this job without friends. You can't. You you cannot. Uh, like if you if you want to get into community management, um, and but you are like the loner type personality, which there's nothing wrong with being a loner. Um, but without if you don't have a core friend group, community management is not for you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because you need that support network. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta have a shoulder to cry on. Yep. Yeah. No, I I I think that that's really just kind of like a nice way to to kind of wrap all of this up in a sense, right, is just to the friendly little recap at the end, you know, community managers are people. Please be nice. Um, <laughs> they have feelings, but also... Sometimes. And also, <laughs> and also, now I think what you really touched upon and talked about throughout this whole podcast is just the importance of having that support behind you be it coworkers, be it supervisors, be it outside therapy, to be able to talk, to be able to vent, and just to be able to get the skills needed to kind of build up the tough skin in a sense, mm-hmm. right? To handle, you know, Joe Schmo one, two, three, just spouting bullshit, basically. I hate that guy. Joe Schmo, I hate him. I'm glad I'm even then. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. You're fine. It, it, it's something to be said for anyone in any profession that that you need to have people. Oh, 100%. 100%. When I worked in software sales, I had my group. Because working in sales is, is, is also just equally mentally exhausting, right? Like end of month, end of quarter. I got to close 17 deals for 150K. What am I going to do? So it's, yeah. it's 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 just like a launch. So, on on that note, Nell, where can people find you? Please feel free to plug anything and everything. You can find me literally on every platform at Nell Starfish. That's <laughs> the benefit of having having a number in your name. You get it everywhere. Let's go. Um, but uh, if you like football. Our podcast just ended, but uh, I do host a football podcast with Big Ants Gaming and Nathanius called The Regular Season, um, where basically we we just 
shoot the shit and talk about football. Love it. I love it. I will be checking you guys out for the next upcoming season. And I'll probably probably I'm not an Eagles fan. I'm a Panthers fan. I just thought the Randall Cunningham jersey was really cool looking. <laughs> <laughs> I think offline we may have a conversation about that last call. That's, that's okay. an offline conversation. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thank you so, so much. I am not prepared. Here are the plugs. Um, <laughs> thank you for listening to this week's episode of the GMH podcast. Uh, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, wherever the hell you listen to your podcast. Leaving a review, rating us, allows other individuals to find the podcast. Uh, keep up to date with everything we are doing over at GuardiansMH.org. Follow us on Twitter at GuardiansMH. And also download our Guardians Mental Health app on iTunes and Google Play Store, where you can get instant and 24, uh, 24-7 access to our RTS spot as well as all of our digital mental health kits. As we've been saying towards the end of, at the end of each podcast, we will be at PAX East. Join us in Boston. Uh, stay tuned to our Twitter to see kind of what we got coming up for, for the event uh, and where we'll be. Uh, feel free to join our partner Discord server, discord.gg uh, discord.gg/ guardiansmh. Help us keep the lights on, but also more importantly, help us keep the mental health kits free. Uh, if you are able to donate, feel free to go to tiltify.com slash at guardians. Also, feel free to check out our merch store over at slakermerch.com slash collections slash guardiansmh. In all honesty, just go to slakermerch.com and search guardians mental health. You'll find all of our stuff. If you like coffee, which I think most people do, um, we're partnered with King's Coast. So use uh, code GMH at checkout. You'll get 10% off your order and all the profits and proceeds that we get um, off of that order go right back into our mental health kit. So if you enjoy really good coffee or if you're in Long Island, just go because it's a really cool place. <laughs> they don't pay me to say that, but <laughs> outside of family, that's the only reason I go to Long Island at this point, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, and that's our plug. <laughs> I love it. And we have our first uh, charity stream coming up this yes. for 2023 uh march 4th and 5th and march 5th we're doing a block from noon to two and we're very lucky enough to have twitch charity actually put us on the front page for our block and we're going to be doing kind of a panel talk about disabilities uh matt do you want to talk about that just real brief just to plug that uh panel yeah absolutely so we will be front page that's Saturday? What's Sunday, the date, Joe? What's the date? Help me. Sunday, March 5th. March 2nd. March 5th. Sunday, March 5th. Um, the idea of the panel, March is Disability Awareness Month. So a lot of things that we're looking to discuss, talk about disabilities, both on a physical, mental health sense, um, but also talking more about the invisible disability, how it affects individuals. And I'm hoping we can have some really great people on that podcast to kind of... Um, talk and bring that point home i'm still writing it so bear with me but um it's going to be uh it's something that i'm passionate about and have some inside knowledge on so i'm very happy to be it's gonna uh, be a part of that great panel and yeah no it, it really is you know and it's not going to be your stereotypical hr type of how to handle disabilities in the workplace Rah. no we're going to make this <laughs> fun we're going to make this knowledgeable, and we're going to make this a 
great hour of a conversation. So cool. stay tuned. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, everybody, so much for hanging out with us. No, I can't thank you enough. Uh, I can't wait until I get to run into you in IRL again. Hopefully, it's in the rocking chairs uh, down at GCX again because that was about the most chill time I had. And I look back at that just that evening very fondly, and I will for years to come. I Next time, I'll it. sneak a beer outside so I can sit outside longer. Uh, you know what? <laughs> send me in, and I'll go get one. <laughs> yeah that was no that was a great night um gcx is always a good time um but the people that i've met at gcx yourself included have been some of the best connections and and uh friendships that i've made throughout the industry because it's 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 driven by passion not just for a game like destiny but for for community as a whole absolutely that's why it's special it's very special and i'm looking forward to being back down there this august actually i'll be there same we're gonna do it again all right. Yeah. I'm, and I'll I'm be probably going to be there this, as well. I won't Same have here. COVID this time. Oh, God. <laughs> we'll go to Disney World after. Uh, my wife will make me, so I will be there too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bringing my daughters. And they've never been to Disney, so that's going to be a, a main stop for us a couple days early. Love it. My uh, kids are still a little bit too young for it. Yeah, I don't think I can take Moxley. That's my only kid. My cats, my cats won't enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> Said his name. He just gave me his side eye again. Like, what are we doing? Nothing. All right. Good night. <laughs> Everybody, take care. Enjoy your weekend. Stay warm. Have a beer. Or cool, wherever you might live. Or six. Or six. <laughs> or stay warm or cool. Whatever you prefer. All right. Yeah. See ya. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs>